Hello and welcome to UX Soup, a podcast that looks beyond the buzzwords to give you the latest developments impacting the user experience of personal devices and services in the home and on the go. As always, UX Soup is presented by Strategy Analytics, a global research and consulting firm providing our clients with insights, analysis, and expertise. I'm Chris Schreiner. Diane and Lisa are off today. Uh, so our, in the intro I just read, <laughs> we always say that we're looking beyond the buzzwords. Well, today we're going to look beyond the biggest buzzword of 2022 so far, the metaverse. Uh, in several recent episodes, we've referred to the metaverse, and in one not too long ago, we chatted with Dr. Gary Burnett about teaching in the metaverse, but we thought it would be appropriate for today to take a step back and look at the bigger picture of the metaverse, what it is, what new experiences it can support, what UX challenges it faces. And I don't think there's anyone better to have that discussion with than Strategy Analytics' own David McQueen. You may remember David from an episode last year where he came on to talk about virtual reality for enterprise. Well, David, as the director and head of our upcoming Metaverse service, uh, is front and center in looking at the Metaverse from all angles. So, David, welcome back to UX Soup. Great to be back, Chris. Thank you. Excellent. So, uh, the first question, of course, is what exactly is the Metaverse? Yeah, well, that's a good question. And as you say, it's a big buzzword right now. And we've seen all kinds of definitions, all kinds of things described as being metaverse offerings. And some of them I, I totally agree with, and some of them I kind of don't. And as you say, you know, we're starting to look at this market, although, well, we've been looking at VR and AR for a good five or six years at Strategy Analytics now, but obviously that, that's where the evolution of those technologies are taking us. And you know, in order to provide things like market sizing or to talk about the metaverse really in a sensible fashion uh, for our clients, we have to have some kind of definition of the metaverse. So maybe that's a that's a good place to start. Yeah, it's my personal definition of it, if you like, <laughs> um, which, like I say, everybody has a different one. So why don't I kind of read that out? And there's a few kind of keywords in there that I think really help define for me, what, what I would say is a metaverse offering or not. So I would describe it as succinctly as possible, a decentralized, persistent, synchronous, multi-user environment through which users can interact, create content and access third party services. A lot of words and in there. Yeah. A lot of words <laughs> in there. Yeah. And then but the interest. So that that's part one of the definition, if you like. Um, so what's kind of interesting about that, you know, decentralized, persistent, synchronous, multi-user environment. I mean, if we stop there at the end of that sentence, one of the, I think, key aspects there is that we're actually describing the web, you know, that the, mm -hmm. the internet, the web would, would fit into that definition. So creating content, accessing third party services again. So if I'm in a browser, you know, I can create my own website. I can visit the Nike website to yep. buy stuff, all of that type of thing. So what differentiates the metaverse offerings from that? Well, an immersive cross-platform environment, which is either wholly digital, so that would be a more of a VR type environment, or that it blends the digital and real world. Uh, so that could be augmented reality or, or you know, mixed reality as well, just to chuck in another buzzword. <laughs> um, so, and, and, you know, I, th I thought really wanted to, Kind of make the point that that first sentence would encompass the world wide web because 
you know, that ultimately is that sort of longer vision um, that, that a lot of people have for the metaverse, that it is a sort of, I've seen the word, you know, Web 3.0 um, used quite a lot, a sort of three-dimensional version of what we have just now in the web, that you can act with it in a 3D way, whether that 3D world is a, a virtual world or whether that 3D world is actually the physical world, because of course that exists in three dimensions anyway, with extra data layers on top of that. So, you know, more augmented reality type metaverses. Um, and maybe maybe it's a good idea to kind of think of a couple of, you know, example services um, and and look at how they fit or don't fit into the definition. Okay. So something like, um, you know, Facebook uh, Meta, uh, mm -hmm. their new Horizons uh, Metaverse offering, that certainly fits in. Um, you've got, you know, it's it's persistent, it's synchronous, it's multi-user. Um, I can access third-party services. So another, you know, good company to talk about in this space is Nike because they've been very active. You know, there's a Nike store in just about every metaverse that it is possible to have one in. <laughs> um, so, you know, I can access that, you know, just like on the web, I can go to the Nike website. Well, in lots of these metaverses, I can go to a, a Nike store that exists virtually or for augmented reality um, type experiences, metaverses like Snap. You know, in Snap, I can scan my feet and I can see what a pair of Nike trainers would look like on my actual feet, you know. So that's the kind of, those things are, are very definitely, you know, metaverse offerings. You know, they're using AR, they're using VR, they're multi-person, um, simultaneous. Um, and the important thing, I think that if this is part of a long-term vision where you're going to have a 3D version of the web, that I can access these brands, these third-party services as well. Okay. And the other end of the scale, you know, we've we've tried to make our definition so that it excludes certain things as well, because otherwise you would come up with a gigantic, huge market sizing and it would encompass almost all of the right. games industry, for example. <laughs> so, you know, something like World of Warcraft, um, you know, massively multiplayer online game. Yes, you know, it's persistent, it's synchronous, it's multi-user, um, but I can't really create my own content. Mm -hmm. um, I can't share that content. Um, I can't access third-party services. You know, there's no Nike store in, right, in, right. in Azeroth, as it were. Um, so I think that falls out with the definition. Okay. It's, you know, kind of important to do that because, you know, Warcraft might exist as a service as part of what the metaverse ultimately becomes. Right, but uh, it's not its, but it's own the metaverse. metaverse offering in and of itself. In the same way that Nike isn't... A, you know, they've got Nike stores everywhere right. um, and the Nike website on the web, but Nike is not the internet, you know. So something like Fortnite or Roblox, Minecraft, where do they fall in that? So they, they sit on a kind of fuzzy line exactly, you know, it's, um, you know, any type of definition, I think right now, it's difficult to, you know, say definitively yes or no or you can for some services you know horizons is definitively yes world of warcraft i think definitively no fortnite roblox minecraft as well they started as kind of individual game services and they are persistent worlds so they're they're a bit when they first started they're more akin to the world of warcraft type model where it's an individual service but now you know there's so much more content creation um, in those games, mm -hmm. they're going out, they're inviting third party brands to come in, you know, 
again, you know, companies like Nike, um, they're doing a lot of deals with artists, they're doing uh, concerts. So it's evolved from being a pure single service game offering into being something that's more akin to the metaverse and more akin to this ability of a user like the web to browse around, experience all sorts of different things and no longer constrained to what the developer of that individual app has created for you, but experiencing what other people, whether that's content creators, musicians, um, you know, other players, you can experience things that they have created for you. So they're, they're they are on a, on a sort of fuzzy line, but I would be tempted to characterize them as definitely, you know, part of the the evolution of the metaverse today. Yeah. Okay. So all of this buzz started from Zuckerberg and Facebook changing their name to Meta. Uh, so yep. could you talk a little bit about how they got to that spot and really what they see this future being, why they make it central to who they are? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think, you know, they've they've had their core product offering for, for quite a long time now, really. And and I think it's, you know, being seen to innovate. Um, you know, it was quite a while ago uh, that they spent, you know, two billion for Oculus. That was eight years. Yeah, eight years ago, they spent two billion on Oculus. And people at the time sort of thought, well, that's a crazy, crazy sum of money for essentially a startup with kind of neat piece of technology but you know who does do people really want vr you know we'd had vr before that um you know nintendo was actually one of the first to market you know good good number of years before even oculus um and those devices had always flopped so you know two billion seems crazy but since then you know over the intervening um uh, eight years, uh, we reckon by, you know, we've obviously been tracking them. I think that's five billion worth of revenue across both the hardware and the content and services that are built on top of that and shipped somewhere in the region of, you know, 14 million headsets as well. So that two billion suddenly seems like, you know, quite a good investment. And they are, you know, to some extent staking the future of the company on that, you know, that the, they see that, this sort of web 3.0 that in 10, 15 years time, you know, because I think it will take a while for that transition to happen, that people are accessing, you know, this three dimensional version of the web. They want to be at the forefront of that and have an offering there that's, you know, ready. And, and uh, you know, in some ways, I think looking at their comments, it's interesting that, you know, what seems to be often implied is that they see themselves as a very central part of that. Um, so they talk about themselves as the metaverse, um, whereas what I would see going on today is that there's a lot of meta metaverses. They are a metaverse. Mm -hmm. And what we have right now isn't something that's going to replace the web anytime soon, which is why I think this transition will take a long time. What you have is a lot of individual services and individual metaverses. So I mentioned Snap, I mentioned um, Facebook Horizons. There's a whole ton of other ones, a lot of startups as well. You know, so you can categorize, you know, Roblox, Fortnite and so on. Um, even Second Life from 20 years ago, um, new companies like Decentraland, The Sandbox, um, but what they have right now is their own little walled garden, their own little world, and you access that world. And it's up to, you know, again, taking an example that we've used, Nike, 
you know, Nike's been very active in this space. They've opened stores in just about every single one of these um, metaverses that I've mentioned. But there's no consistency for them. You know, they, when they build a store in Horizons or they do something with Snap, they're building each one of those from scratch. You know, and they're using different developer tools. They're creating slightly different experiences. Um, you know, literally with with Nike, again, this is maybe a good example to use because with Facebook Horizons, your avatar doesn't have, it's a floating torso. You don't have yeah. legs and feet. <laughs> so you can try on a virtual pair of trainers on your real feet in Snap, right. but you can't even get close to the experience like that in Facebook Horizons um, because you don't, you're, first of all, it would be your avatar, not your actual feet, but your avatar doesn't even have feet. So it needs to be something completely different. Um, so that really kind of highlights the lack of interoperability between each of these kind of walled garden metaverse offerings that we have today. And so in the long term, for the metaverse to fulfill its promise, if you like, as being you know, the next generation of the web, those walls have to come down to some extent. Um, and you know, the, the, there is interoperability that I can you know, open a door in Facebook Horizons and enter Decentraland or whatever, and my avatar is persistent across those um, you know, two, mm -hmm. uh, two virtual worlds. Um, and then you kind of start to be able to talk about, okay, this is this is the Web 3.0, you know. But right now we're we're a bit of away from that, and we have these kind of individual wall gardens. So when it comes to use cases for the metaverse, you've talked about you know trying on shoes or could be other clothes. You've talked about you know uh, digital uh, concerts, of course, gaming social elements are there other new experiences that the metaverse provides or is it more just they feel that the immersion in in vr ar is compelling enough to have people jump into these metaverses yeah i mean i think that's that that's one of the weaknesses i would say of, of a lot of the current offerings today there's, there's some of them where you know you kind of see like a you know, oh, we've made a virtual world and it's part of the metaverse. All right. But, you know, just an avatar that can wander around and there's nothing very much to actually do, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that that I think is, uh, you know, a, a bit of a weakness. And certainly with with virtual reality, um, I often personally, you know, struggle to get excited about a lot of them. Um, you know, I have been uh fairly hardcore gamer in the past not so much anymore just a factor of time <laughs> um, but you know that in many ways you know seen a lot of this before um and the the experience you know the you know it's different from something like say second life which has been around for it's it's coming up for its 20th birthday soon <laughs> wow um you know and and a lot of these metaverse offerings today don't really look any better or offer mm -hmm. much more than what has been around for 20 odd years um you know i guess the the difference in some way is that they're kind of gearing up towards you know more openness more third party content and so on but you know you kind of had that in second life for a while yeah it just didn't really take off and there's in vr in particular i think there's not necessarily a lot of new experiences that, that really differentiate. And, and you're kind of often talking about a sort of, you know, 
like for like substitution in some ways. Um, and you're creating virtual environments that very often mirror the real world or you're you're doing things that you could do in the real world anyway, but a bit cooler. Uh, you know, so things like the concerts and you can, you, you know, because it's a virtual environment and you can do all sorts of crazy effects and have, you know, mad stuff going on, which, mm. you know, yeah, it's kind of a bit different. You know, is it is it, you know, the sort of thing that Pink Floyd was doing in the 1970s, <laughs> though, just with, you know, massive, huge paper mache models, you know, and things like that. So but, you know, you can, I guess, do a bit more and, and for smaller artists that can't afford to put on a a show like a Pink Floyd stadium show, you know, that, that they can do something cool or cooler. Um, but very often I'm 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 looking at particularly the VR ones and struggling to see much that's really, really novel and a totally different experience from what I could have before. Um, you know, the but I think for augmented reality, the there are things that excite me more about that particular technology. And being able to overlay, you know, extra data on the real world can often be quite a cool experience. So, you know, things like um, thinking of some examples that are a little bit more off the wall, you know, there's uh, some services that are based around tourism. So I can put on a pair of AR glasses, um, look, go, you know, go around a, a bunch of ruins, if you like, um, and, you know, give an instruction to my headset and then I see those ruins as they would have appeared as a, you know, I'm, I'm walking around a castle all of mm -hmm. a sudden rather than walking around a, a load of ruins. And that gives a totally different experience, a far, far richer experience than you could possibly have. And, you know, yeah. with that, that digital add on basically. So in the way that we would interact with the metaverse, mm. so, we kind of have you kind of mentioned three different ways so far virtual reality augmented reality and then just a, a normal screen like people play on Fortnite on on yeah. some monitor where do you do you see i guess where do you see five years from now is it going to be primarily virtual augmented reality or is it still going to be somebody on a monitor or is everybody going to have an oculus headset yeah. How are yeah. we going to interact with it? Yeah, yeah. There's I think for, you know, virtual reality, I'm I'm not skeptical about it. It's a great experience. There are some great headsets out there. Um you can have a great experience um in, in a lot of these offerings for sure. The issue I guess I have with VR is that, you know, I don't want to say it's not social because within that world, it, they are often extremely social and there's a lot of social tools, mm -hmm. but it makes you antisocial to the people around you physically. Yes. Yeah. Um, it excludes you from them. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, it's also something, you know, I'm not going to use a VR headset walking down the street. I'm only going to use it when I'm sat at home or sat in the office in a safe environment. So because of those constraints, even you know, putting aside anything like nausea or whatever, if you had a wonderful quality headset that didn't make the user nauseous at all, you could have extended use. I don't think you would see massively extended use that, you know, for everyone, there's a kind of maximum of a couple of hours a day of usage that you might wear a VR headset. Right. right. So it's it kind of, for me, 
there's there's a sort of almost inherent limitation to that technology whereas a good quality pair of AR glasses that's light enough that they're effectively just replacing my spectacles anyway, my regular specs because I wear them. And, you know, I wear my regular specs 100% of the time almost, except when I'm <laughs> sleeping or, you know, washing my face or whatever. That's the only, there has to be a specific reason for me to take my spectacles off, basically. Um, so that can be much more persistent. And that leads to kind of slightly different use cases, different business models. And I think if you're talking about, you know, technology that can ultimately replace the web, well, if it only replaces the web for each user for an hour or maximum two hours a day, that's not a replacement, is it? Mm. You know, that, that that's a that's an adjunct. But yeah. if if you know, with augmented reality glasses, if I've got something that I can comfortably wear all day as I'm walking around a place um then that is something that becomes my primary interaction mode with this new web 3.0 so 10 15 years time my own personal view is that vr will still be important and for certain experiences is better but i think if you're going to replace the internet in some fashion or replace the web rather in some fashion that it's going to be ar that's for me, I'd be more optimistic about that doing it rather than rather than virtual reality. Something like AR glasses, they have their own interface issues if we're talking about that as kind of a primary primary yep. thing, especially if like you're walking down the street, just the way that the AR glasses are designed, right? Yeah, exactly. And you know, some of the things um, I think will mirror what what what's with smartwatches. So if we if we let's take an example again. So as, you know, we talked about Snap already, and Snap Maps gives you that kind of experience. You know, and they, they've got their glasses in the hands of developers right now. They're going to do a commercial launch very soon, so they're going to have real physical spectacles. You can wear them walking down the street, um, and there's a lot of third-party content, and some of that is going to be from brands, and effectively that's advertising, mm-hmm. um, and some of it is cooler stuff like you know the they've got content creators that are you know street artists creating street art that only exists virtually you only see it if you've got the glasses on that kind of stuff there's there's some cool stuff going on as well it's not purely about advertising um but if i'm walking down you know just like with smartwatches if i had every single possible notification on my wrist would never stop vibrating. You know, if every time I got a work email, a message from my wife, uh, messages from friends, messages on Facebook, mm-hmm. you know, it would just be going, you know, constantly. I get literally hundreds of work emails every single day. So we, you know, just like you would, you would set up a smartwatch so that you would only see the, you know, get the notifications that were really important as alerts. I think it will be the same kind of mode of interaction with with augmented reality that if I'm actively, you know, using, let's say, you know, Google Maps to go from A to B um, and I see, you know, in, in my vision, have that in my vision, when I'm navigating, I want to see that, but I don't want to see data from Google Maps all the time, right. every time. Um, and likewise, if I'm if I'm doing, if I'm hanging out with my friends or something, you know, and wearing a pair of snap spectacles can i turn off all that advertising uh from from third-party brands so that i don't see that and maybe we can do a little you know do something fun um you know 
while we're out and about um, and actually go and see some of this artwork um, that also exists in, in Snap Maps now, yeah. you know. But even but, even more than that, you... But I only want to see that and not the advertising, you know. But even more than that, there others can see if you're wearing a pair of AR glasses. In certain, with certain mm -hmm. AR glasses, you can kind of, someone else can see what it is that you're seeing reflected. Yeah, yeah. No, this is a big, um, I think there's, you know, taking a step back, you know, and one of the things that is, you know, the AR really exists today just on the smartphone. And there's, there's for consumers anyway. Um, and, you know, that that's not so bad. You know, the, I pretty much only me can see my screen. Um, but there's a big technology challenge in getting, you know, a good lightweight quality experience, you know, pair of AR glasses out there. And there's a lot of different competing technologies because it's a nascent market and some are better than others in that regard. So a lot of them leak light. Um, so there's refractive um, or diffractive, whichever the different technologies, um, you know, lenses that you know, there's a, a light module that projects the light and reflects it into your eyes. And with some of the technologies, pretty much only you can see that image. But with some of the other technologies, um, you know, someone who's looking at you would see literally a, a mirror image of what you're seeing. And there's, of course, there's privacy issues with that. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm doing some online banking, <clears throat> I don't want you to see a mirror image of my bank account. Um, and there's also, I think, an, you know, an interaction problem there as well. So if there's bright light coming out of my spectacles, um, you know, it's natural when you and I would be speaking that we look each other in the eye. Um, but all of a sudden, if, I've, if I'm shining a, a light at your eyes out of my <laughs> spectacles, you know, that, that, that takes away from that you know, natural interaction that we would otherwise normally have. So, yeah, there's, you know, serious security issues potentially there. But then there's also just a basic, you know, human factor there as well that, that, that yeah. it kind of potentially ruins some of the normal interaction that we might have. So one final question for you. It's five years from now, 2027. Prediction, where are we with the metaverse? What is a, a typical... I don't know, metaverse interaction look like? Is everybody doing it for what? Where do you see where do you see this being in five years? Yeah, yeah. I think um you know the I, I think we're still at a stage where we have a lot of walled gardens. Mm -hmm. Um so there's a lot there's still a lot of individual experiences happening. Um so it's I think there's still relatively a challenging environment for brands. And I think that wall garden will probably mean it's in some ways quite challenging for users as well. So, you know, if, you know, we have to, we'd have to be logged into the same set of experiences. We'd have to both be logged into, you know, let's say Snap, or we'd have to, you know, with VR, obviously you have to be logged in at the same time to the same the virtual environment. But even with AR, you know, walking around the street, that's a challenge if I've got a pair of snap glasses and let's say this is rumored Apple comes in, you've got a pair of the Apple mm -hmm. uh, smart glasses and, you know, we're walking down the street having completely different experiences and we're walking down a physical street and the physical stuff looks the same, but you're seeing, I'm seeing Pokemon wandering about <laughs> and I've for Nike and, <laughs> and you're seeing, you know, whatever Apple's offering, you know, instead, um, you know, that, that, 
can actually, you know, potentially even lead to some confusion. But I think, but to, you know, so in that sense, I don't know that we'll have moved to uh, a sort of web 3.0 that it's a replacement for the web. But I do think that in five years time, that the already by that time that augmented reality will have overtaken virtual reality, that there'll be more users using AR glasses uh, than there is using VR and the amount of time that people spend therefore in a metaverse offering is much greater because people will be able to use those glasses constantly and I think you know particularly when it comes to social networks that's going to be much more important so Facebook right now is is pretty much you know betting quite heavily on VR but I don't know how good a fit that is for them as a company because their primary revenue stream is from advertising and right. marketing and to some extent that's a function of time spent so um, meta has to evolve their offering to include augmented reality and i think that will be the big trend is moving away from these almost second life clones you know that's, that's almost a kind of 20 year old proposition towards away from virtual reality and towards a more mixed and augmented reality future and i think that will be the biggest shift over the over the coming five years excellent well very fascinating david thank you so much uh, for taking time out of your day to join us today i really appreciate it it's been a pleasure all right well if you have any questions about the metaverse or about david's work or would like to send us any questions you may have you can always email us at uxsoup at strategyanalytics.com the show notes on our podcast website ux-soup.com has links to all of our research and there you can also connect with each of us on linkedin a reminder that ux soup is sponsored as always by strategy analytics check out the latest user-focused insights by visiting strategyanalytics.com thanks for joining us bye for now